You're listening to the PMO Strategies Podcast, where PMO leaders become impact drivers. This is episode 11. Well, hey there, welcome back to the PMO Strategies Podcast. I am your host, Laura Bernard, and as always, I am honored and grateful that you are allowing me to spend a little bit of your day with you. This podcast episode is sponsored by the PMO Impact Summit, our free live virtual event that is specifically targeted to help PMO leaders around the world make a bigger impact with their PMO. Go check it out at PMOImpactSummit.com and get ready to learn a ton of ways you can make a big impact with your PMO. It's PMOImpactSummit.com and when the event is live, it is a free opportunity to get tons and tons of training to help you with your PMO. Today we are talking with Emma Ruth Arnath Pemberton, a fellow of the Association for Project Management, and she is an expert in PMO project program and portfolio management with extensive experience in the change management industry, which as you guys know by now is near and dear to my heart. And she has a particular focus and emphasis on collaboration and PMO conception and strategy, as well as method and capability development. And my favorite things about Emma are that she organizes two flagship events for Wellington, the organization that she works for, which are the Future PMO Conference, which is a fantastic conference done over in the UK. And she brought the Project Management Day of Service, my little baby, all the way over to the UK. And they have had some fantastic and successful PIMDAS events over there. And actually, Emma, um, tell us a little bit about that and how that's been going. Uh, it's been going really well. We've done three of them so far in uh, in the last 18 months, just under. Wow. And uh, yeah, the first one was small but worked. It was like 25, 25 people maybe. Uh, and we've kind of been growing. So the last one in the in London, which was in April, we had like 88 people out. So my wow. my goal is to kind of get to your kind of numbers. But uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> We had 23 charities and then we had several people supporting them plus all the support people and uh, it's been amazing. Microsoft have donated all the venues for the most part. That's great. Uh, We always get a company to donate the food and people seem to be really, I think, just taking it to their heart. For us at Wellington, it's now one of our most important days of of the calendar. Uh, Every single person pretty much from the consulting team comes along, RMD comes along and yeah, people... And it's that feel good element, isn't it? It's like you feel like you're really doing a good deed. And and for me personally, I find it really humbling. Like you meet people that you can't even begin to understand what their life is like on a day-to-day basis. And the fact that these charities even need to exist is upsetting on some level. So you do yeah. genuinely feel like I'm doing something different and good for the world. So it's amazing. Thank you for letting us bring it. (laughs) Oh, of course, of course. I'm thrilled. And uh, for those of you that don't know about the Project Management Day of Service, you can always find out more about it by going to PM for change.org that's pm the number four change.org and 
I couldn't agree with you more around the feel good factor because for me, what got me um, that just really won my heart over about the whole idea when uh, my pal Kendall Lott brought it to a bunch of us many years ago now was the fact that this was a way for project managers and program and PMO and portfolio managers to give back to the community using their hard earned project management skills. And that's the coolest thing is that it's a way for people to help develop their communities and grow their communities and make a difference. And there's, I don't want to take away from any of those other ways you can do it, whether you're building a house or feeding the homeless, all of those are important initiatives. But what I love most about it is that by helping the organizations that serve those communities achieve their critical mission goals, you're able to be a force multiplier in transforming entire communities just by helping them implement their mission goals. So uh, project managers, they're the people, they are change, they create change, they deliver change. And now this gives us an outlet, a way to give back to the community in such an important way using our skills. And what I've heard from a lot of folks that participate is they say, now I can point to this and say, that's what I do as a project manager. So it's really neat all around. So definitely go check it out if you haven't yet, all of you listening today, pm the number four change.org. And you can find out all about PIMDAS events and where they're popping up all over the world, including the fabulous one happening pretty regularly in the UK now. So thank you. Emma for bringing the PIMDAS to your world. No, you're welcome. We're hoping to look elsewhere as well. So we shall see. I what know. Yeah. I know. I'm excited. And we're going to be, I'm going to be talking to Kendall and Mike, our, my fellow board members about that next week. Okay. So um, today we're talking about the little bit, a little teaser of what you're covering in the summit. So Emma is a part of our PMO impact summit and She's going to be speaking about the PMO hierarchy of needs and effective learning. And so I was listening to her give her presentation as we were recording her for the summit. And there were some things that really stuck out to me that I thought I wanted to just grab some time to throw together a podcast episode to kind of tease you a little bit about the topic, but also give you some different ways of thinking about our hierarchy of needs personally and how we need to think differently about learning and learning styles and learning in the future because it's changing in so many ways. And Emma's going to talk to us about that today. So definitely make sure you sign up for the summit, pmoimpactsummit.com. You can sign up for free to attend live in September and grab Emma's full session. And today we're going to chat a little bit. We're going to dive a little bit deeper on this hierarchy of needs and learning styles. So Emma, can we just dive right in? Yeah, feel All great. Right. Thank you. you. All right. So the first thing I was thinking we could talk about is where we are today from a learning styles perspective, especially as it relates to our space, PMOs and project management. Where are we today? And why are we talking about this now? What's shifting that's prompted this to be a really hot topic for you? From a PMO perspective, I'm very people focused. So I'm all about collaboration and development of people and capability. And, and that, that's me on a professional level, but also on a very personal level. Um, and what I have 
found is that the world is changing and a lot of our systems, um, particularly learning systems, don't really seem to be changing. So there's a very well-known concept around the different learning styles that everybody has. So some people are very visual. Uh, they prefer using pictures and images to learn. Um, and if any of you have kids, if you've seen them revise, you'll be able to see how they learn because some, some people draw, some people write, some people listen, um, some people read. So, you know, some people are very oral, so it's all about the auditory stuff. So they prefer using sound and music. That's me in a nutshell. I can remember every word to every song I've ever heard. I wow. audio books every day when I'm in the car, everywhere I go, I'm constantly taking in and I'm either reading or I'm listening. Uh, that generally is how, um, how I learn. So that's just a very real example of what that means. Some people learn on more verbal, so use more linguistic skills, both in speech and in writing. So they're really looking for somebody to have a conversation. That's how they remember stuff. Other people are very physical. Uh, so they're very much about using their body, their hands, their sense of touch. So these are the people that if you're teaching them a system, they want to just get on and do it. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't want to listen to you. They just want to be left to press the buttons. And figure it out on their own. Yep. That's yeah, kind of sounds a little bit like me. <laughs> just let me at it. Let me just go attack it. <laughs> uh, then other people are more logical, more mathematical in nature. They tend to be quite analytical. So they need to work through the logic, the reasoning. They need to understand the systems and the processes, whereas others are more social. Um, they prefer to learn in groups uh, as opposed to solitary people who prefer to learn on their own. So that's been around for a really long time and lots of training and trainers they adapt the way that they teach in order to hit as many of those as they can in a session that's how i was taught to train uh, make sure you do something for each one of those kind of seven styles and that still exists it still works um to a point mm. but nowadays we live in this VUCA world where everything's volatile it's uncertain it's complex and it's ambiguous and i want to just pick up on that complex bit the big c because mm -hmm. there's so much out there now that what we find there's so much and so many people and particularly in our industry it's kind of gone from quite niche to now everybody's kind of in everybody's a project manager the apm's uh, vision statement if you like is a world where all projects succeed and project management is a life skill for all so no matter what you're doing you're using some elements of project management and so much so that the pmi are doing an event in madrid in september for five to eight year olds to teach them wow. the basics of project management um, because it is something that we're all using. And because of that, there's so much input that lots and lots of courses have sprung up. And the way that we learn typically is you go to, you sit in a room, you get some presentation, you'll do some exercises, you'll do an assessment at the end and you'll fill in a feedback form. And then it's, thank you very much. Go and back to your day job and apply what you can. And that, it just doesn't work for me anymore. I think, I think we're changing the way that we live in a world of instant gratification. So if I have a course, I want to see change. If I'm paying for somebody to go on a course, I want to see their behavior change. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see that the learning systems that we have at the moment really give us that return on investment anymore. I think when it was quite niche, it worked. And if we then consider the generational aspect, you know, I've been doing a lot of research. I've written a few articles on Generation Z because I went to a PMO. I did a course. It was a PMO course. And the average age of the entire team was 26. Wow. So even the manager. So they were managing this multi-million pound business worth of PMO. 
And we did a SWOT with them. And when they put it down as one of their threats, their average age, they saw as a real threat. And that really got me to thinking. And I was like, what if though, it's a strength? And they were like, well, it can't be because we have no life experience. We have no work experience. We have no legacy. We don't know what's worked, what hasn't worked. And I said, but if you do it right, you could actually change this business because you have no legacy, because you have no rubbish experience from a long time ago that's stopping you. You're just going to see it. And if you approach it correctly, actually, you could change the world from, from that organizational perspective. And so I started to look at this and... What I found during my research is that the Generation Z, and it's a very blanket statement, but they tend to be more focused on impact than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. So what you tend to find is a lot of young kids now are more worried about the planet than we've ever been. If you pick up a plastic water bottle, they'll generally go, why aren't you drinking out of a metal can or a glass or something? Right. When I was in this environment with this team, I found that every exercise that we did that was building their PMO the last question that they asked was, how will this impact people? How will this impact the organization? And that's the gap. I think we've always been in PMO particularly so focused on the mechanics of delivery, making sure that the right processes and support mechanisms are in place from a technical perspective, that on some level, I think we've forgotten the human element. And now the impact, the human element is coming back into play. Uh, more than I think it have, has been before. And that was a real wake-up call for me because I kind of sat there and before the assessment, they they get people get nervous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in Most people, we give them like half an hour to just go and do what they want to do. And they most people disperse. So some people stay in the room and they read if they're that kind of learning person. Some people go and have a walk. Some people go and talk to people. And this team, they stood at the back of the room overlooking a lake And they said, we're really nervous. Let's calm ourselves down. Let's do a gratefulness session. Wow. It was their way of being that tribe and supporting each other. The way they stood at the back and they were like, I'm grateful for having the opportunity for being here and actually learning where I never would have had this before. And it fascinated me. And it was, like I say, it was a real wake up call to, we can't keep training this way. These young people who are coming into our industry aren't going to continually just go on one course after another course after another course. They're not going to be satisfied with a certificate, go back to the day job and not be able to implement because we don't have the time. So that's a really long way of saying why this, (laughs) why now? Wow. I mean, I'm so glad you brought that up. There's so many things that are being triggered for me as I'm listening to you talk about Um, the ways we're learning. And I think it's important to point out that there's some really unique opportunities. I really like what you said about looking at those that are, that don't have the history and the historical knowledge. That means they also don't have the baggage. Sometimes when I'm going into organizations uh, to help set up a PMO or implement project management best practices, or when I'm helping my students go through that process in their organizations, the fact that if you don't have people there that are saying, yeah, but all the things that are going to go wrong with it, I would call that the yeah, but monster, you know, (laughs) yeah, but that won't work here because we tried that before or yeah, but we don't do things that way. If you don't have any of that noise and that baggage, or if you can find a way to eliminate that, you can actually get right to my favorite word impact, right? You can get really laser focused on the outcomes you're trying to achieve as opposed to being so focused on the outputs and checking the boxes. So I think that's a huge opportunity. And for those of us that are 
the role of PMO leader, we need to think about how can we look for that kind of new way of thinking and out of the box thinking or just um, newer generation way of thinking about how we solve problems and how we stay very outcome focused. I think we've got an incredible opportunity here and I'm personally excited to hear that this generation Z that we're talking about here was very laser focused on the impact they were trying to create and that taking that moment to be grateful. I mean, wow. I mean, just, wow, that's so awesome. I mean, I do that with my, my 11 year old last night when we sat down to dinner, I said, okay, let's talk about, you know, let's be grateful here. What do we have? Look at all the things we have, look about all the opportunity we have. Let's not take that for granted. And so that's something that I'm trying to instill in my child, but also to hear that there's so many people out there that are thinking that way and talking that way and taking that step back. I think that's fantastic. So I look at this as, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, it, it seems that every generation complains about the next generation, right? Or the next couple of generations, or they don't get it, or it was harder for us and all of that. But I like to flip this on its head and say, hey, maybe there's a lot we can learn from some of these younger generations that don't have all the biases and the baggage and the history of the way we were raised or the way we have seen the world and maybe the real beauty and the opportunity and the way to get to impact faster is by you know taking a look at what they're doing and how they're doing it and learn from those lessons exactly and that like i said was a real wake-up call for me and so i started doing all this research and I've applied it to one of the things that we're currently trialing at Wellington. We've developed the next course for PMO leaders, mm -hmm. uh, which is the, the sequel, if you like, to PMO practitioner. Yep. And we have actually done it in exactly that way. So we have, it, we have a course, we have a, a public case study so that we baseline everybody's knowledge and that helps people who are more, I need to read stuff and write stuff and do exercises. But at the same time, we're really made through the exercises that we've built, we're building a peer to peer network in that small group. So we're kind of forcing people to take a step back and reflect on their reality mm -hmm. and reflect on what are the key challenges. We're also making them think about really some critical, do some critical thinking, which we don't get time to take a step back and do quite often. We're just so busy in the day job. Yeah. And then they get some help, some consulting style help from their peers in the room. And then they go and they do a project for two months. And within that two months, not only have we now created a mini community by itself, but they get mentoring with myself and my colleague, Marissa, uh, who's also part of the Impact Summit. Yep, and every two weeks we do mentoring with them. So that brings with it a, num a number of benefits, if you like, that they're, A, they're raving about it. They love it because one of the key questions that we ask them is how will you fit this in? Now yes. get back to your day job and carve out time to make a substantial change in a particular problem or opportunity that you're trying to deal with. And what it's done is it's made them accountable. So they know they've got to pick up the phone to myself as an example, every two weeks and tell me how far they've got. And nobody wants to be seen to fail. So it's a very public way because at the end of the two months, we all get back together and we all, they will all present how they did. And that's how they pass the course, not through learning to almost regurgitate what I've told you, that's my opinion, but actually through real practice, um, through actually really reflecting. And one of the mentees this week, actually, when she started to get down into, this is my problem, when she started to get down into the root cause, I said, I think you need to change your focus, maybe go and do this research instead. And so we'll see what happens. But 
it makes people more accountable and from a project-based learning which is an actual thing you can look it look it up on pblworks.org that's where companies are going to get return on investment and that's what these younger people coming through want the they want to be able to make an impact so your favorite word i mean yes. this time if ever there was one um that's how we see return on investment by actually getting people to change the business for the better using people like myself and yourself to actually help them along the way and who doesn't want that god i wish i'd had that when i first was starting out wow. i had nobody I, it was like pmo was like what is this thing that nobody really understands and it would have been great to be able to pick up the phone and say oh my goodness can you just can i just go raw at you <laughs> that's, <Yeah. laughs> that's what you need <laughs> you know i'm really glad you said that because when i built my first pmo back in 1999 you didn't have the ability to just google how to set up a pmo there weren't a ton of books out there there were there weren't a lot of i didn't have any peers that i was aware of I joined the PMI chapter, but you know, that was mostly project managers and I felt like there was nobody that understood what I was going through and experiencing and it was very isolated. And so part of the reason that over time I've, you know, taken every opportunity I can to give back to the community and to reach out to PMO leaders. And the whole reason I'm doing this PMO impact summit is to reach back to that person that was in that role of PMO leader, whether it was early when I had no idea what I was doing or further along when I was dealing with really complex organizations and challenges and all kinds of change resistance and stakeholder stuff and all the things, I would love to have had someone that I could just call or resources or ways that I could apply the learnings directly to my environment. And so that's why I do everything I do. So I love hearing you say that. And I love the fact that your program does that. It's very unique. There are not a lot of, actually, in, as far as in-person courses, you're the only one that I know that's doing that. It's very similar to what I'm doing with my Impact Engine PMO course online, which is you learn the content, but then we also have this group coaching aspect where a group of PMO leaders get together and they're talking about the challenges they're facing and how do I apply what I learned in module two, lesson seven to my environment. And well, now I'm having this challenge. Okay, great. Go back to this stuff, but let's talk about an example of where someone else did that. I've got people sharing resources with each other in our private forum saying, Hey, I'm using this scoring sheet and it's working great. All of that makes it real. And I love how, that approach has is kind of takes on a world of its own because yeah. the people that are in that learning process are doing it together. There's the social aspects as well as all of the different visual, oral, verbal, physical ways of learning that are being applied there where you're not just listening. It's not just one way and there's not just about your certificate. So thank you on behalf of PMO leaders everywhere for doing <laughs> these kind of courses. And as I understand, you're doing them in different countries all over the place now, right? Yeah, yeah. So the PMO practitioner, we've trained 300 odd practitioners, PMO practitioners now. Um, so we've done one in Costa Rica. We've done some in Spain. I'm going to Chile. Uh, so it seems lots of Spanish speaking countries, which is fine because <laughs> I'm a Spanish speaker. So I get to go. That's perfect. Nice. Yeah, you're absolutely right in that. I don't think people are doing it. But think about if you consider the people who normally do training, they're training providers. And right. commercially, it doesn't make sense because actually... Training providers generally go from one course to the next course to the next course. They right. actually, it isn't commercially sound for them to then come back and spend a day a week coaching and mentoring people. Right. So I think that's why people haven't done it. But certainly I believe it's the right thing to do, which is why we're trialing it. And I was slightly on edge because I was like, what if, if nobody engages with the mentoring 
that will be the sign that it's not the right thing to do. And every single one is engaged. They all want more sessions. So yeah, yeah, it just shows. And the social aspect is exactly right. They're talking to each other on, we have a private LinkedIn group. We're all meeting so that they can all present back and having lunch and stuff. They're all raving about it. You know, they're like, oh, where are you staying? We can meet the night before. So uh, it's really, it, it really does build that tribe mentality, which is what the younger generation, that's how they function honestly yeah. and it's exactly like you said it's like this whole thing where people say oh it's fashionable and agile is fashionable and we always talked about the us and them and it's like well actually we could do a hell of a lot if we learned from some of their principles and the same applies for me we can learn so much from these younger people who don't have the baggage who don't have the opinion right. they're just going to look at it and if done right they're going to go for it and i think that's what this industry needs Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're um, hitting on something that when you, you know, you're absolutely right. From a, from a trainer's business model perspective, if you're looking at it from what I call the outputs versus the outcome mindset, if you're looking at it from an outputs perspective, you're just trying to drive people through these courses and give them their certificates and move on. But if you're looking at it from an outcomes perspective, you know, the students that are in my PMO course are, you know, my, my top end impact engine PMO course are more successful because they have that coaching and that community. And so that to me is what matters most. Are, you know, are we achieving the outcomes, which is that they're able to deliver impact through the PMO? That's where the impact comes back, right? So it's impact in the work that they're able to do and it's making an impact on their lives. That's what organizations like mine and yours are more interested in. And so it's, definitely making the case that this is the what we should be thinking about from an education perspective and don't be fooled this isn't just about learning this is also about leadership so everybody listening is probably a pmo leader right or striving to be a pmo leader that's the rest of their aspiration uh this is the future of how we lead people yeah. how we leading through management um is kind of going to go away i genuinely believe that and and i think leaders need to get on this particular bus or rocket (laughs) full of rocket fuel because people prefer it's actually a much better environment for people to work in to learn in if we're working this way if we're able to coach people instead of why haven't you done this for me instead of the mechanical and that's going to be a real transition for a lot of existing leaders who might think in UK we say soft and fluffy Uh, Mm. is it soft and fluffy I don't need to do this who are you know very much on command and control but I I don't think we should, this is not just PMO. I think this is the future of leadership. I I genuinely believe that. Yeah, with so much leaning towards self-organizing teams and servant leadership and the way that we just make work happen, there's so much more flexibility. So we need to make sure as managers and leaders that we're adapting our style. So on that, what advice do you have for PMO leaders in how to meet the needs of their team from a learning and self-development perspective? So I use the GROW model, which is a really common practice coaching model, which kind of will help you to ask the right questions. So rather than have a one-to-one where you're reviewing people for you know specific objectives, there are some companies that have got rid of that annual review now completely, because actually they assume if you're a good manager that you speak to people every day. Right. <laughs> um, right. And, um, and actually talking to them about what they need in order to be better. So one of the things we talk about in the PMO Practitioner course is the Peter Principle, Mm. where people get promoted to their level of incompetence. Right. Uh, So we always get promoted because of what we did. 
So right. you're a very good project manager, go and be a program manager. You're a very good program manager, you can build a PMO. You're a very good PMO manager, go and be a director. We yeah. never really look at it traditionally based on what they can achieve. We only look backwards. So the Peter principle basically says at some point you're going to hit your ceiling of this is not your natural space anymore. Right. And we need to focus on what people can achieve. So for me, that's where coaching comes in because it's all about developing goals for the individual and supporting them through that. But in a way that kind of gets them to figure it out themselves and you're just kind of leading them along the way. Right. That's how we make future leaders because we're actually equipping them to be in that role not to say well it's your turn and you were good at that so you must be able to be good at that so i think go and find out about the grow model the grow coaching model I, it, it's done wonders for me mm -hmm. um i also read a book called uh, coaching for performance uh, which really opened my eyes as to some of the pitfalls of coaching some of the real good ways some real examples which i found really really interesting and my new thing is be human first, PMO second. Uh, we, uh, in PMO, we have so, some PMOs are so focused on the mechanics, on the technical aspects of delivery. We must deliver, we must deliver, we must deliver reports, et cetera, et cetera. Right, Sometimes all those outputs. Yeah, we lose the human element. We need yeah. to bring that back, people. So yeah. you're human first, PMO second. So grab a cup of coffee and say, how's your day going? How is there anything that we can do to make your life easier? Actually engage, interact with people. One of our PMO principles that we teach is that PMO are integrators. So integrate, build that network internally and, and yeah, human first, PMO second. Oh, I love that. I love that. So one more question I want to ask you before we wrap up today, because I can almost hear the yeah, but monster in the minds of some of the folks listening today. And so we've talked about these different learning styles. We've talked about the fact that learning is changing. And now I want to kind of tackle head on the one thing that I think stops a lot of folks and that I really push back on with my uh, students and clients is, yeah, but I don't really have time to develop myself. <laughs> so you meant, you touched on that when we talked about the course that you're teaching and the mentoring approach and people go back to work and they're busy and they don't have time. And I personally say, listen, we all have the same amount of time in the day. It's how we're choosing to use it. But what advice do you have for PMO leaders when they're saying, I just really don't have time for my own self-development and career development? What do you recommend to them? A couple of things. One, read How to Be a Productivity Ninja. We know that I like ninjas. This is not yes. new. It changed the way that I work and I'm already quite organized, um, but it fundamentally changed the way that I attack work from the way that I deal with emails and all of that stuff uh, right through to how I plan for all of my next work to happen and, and even literally stopped me staying up at night because I would wake up thinking, oh, I must do that tomorrow. Uh, I don't get that anymore. So that would be my first thing because and it buys you time. And where do I, where can they learn about the Productivity Ninja? It's a book. You can buy it from Amazon or any other book place. <laughs> okay, we'll leave a, we'll have a link to it in the show notes so that people yeah. can find that. Uh, it genuinely changed the way that I work. And like I say, I'm already quite organized, but you're right. Everybody has the same amount of time. It's how you carve up that time. For me, if you love it, it doesn't feel like work and you don't mind finding the time. Uh, I'm very lucky. Uh, lots of people fell into PMO. I chose PMO. Uh, I, it was a conscious choice. I was sober and everything. You did uh, it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I did it on purpose. So for me, do I work late sometimes? Yep. But it doesn't feel like work because I feel like I'm, I'm actually 
doing something that means something and can help somebody. And for me personally, what I would say is we've all got 15 minutes where we procrastinate. Yeah. <laughs> Just take out the procrastination yeah. and actually use those 15 minutes to do something. If you need to, so one of the, one of the things from the Productivity Ninja book uh, is to put a time every single day where that's where you switch everything off and that's where you do that piece of a thing that's important, urgent and important and that's decent for your development. The fact is, you yes, you're working for somebody else, but if you don't take time for yourself, yeah. what's the point? Yeah. We're all human, so we all have curiosity. We most of us want to learn. Few of people in PMO are in it for the nine to five. Right. This is a nine to five job. None of us are that. Right. So stay curious, find stuff that you're passionate about, and just make the time. Yeah. Have your ninja hour or ninja half an hour every day and don't let it move for anything um and that's really hard to do is to say no to people because people will tap you on the shoulder but that for me has worked really really well it just it gives me that i know that at the end of every day i've got a half an hour where i just can i can creatively think outside of the day-to-day -day and that's really rare for people to do and and that's for my own development as well as anything else that might pop into my head randomly right. but only you are responsible for your development. No one else is going to do it for you. So if you want to be the best, you need to put in the time. You need right. to find it. Right. And, you know, and it's also about being creative about how you do it, right? You've talked about you learn a lot from listening. Well, you know, podcasts are a great way to get some quick learning. And I found, uh, and that's part of the reason I started this podcast is I, I think when I think about the programs that I create and the work that I do, I'm always thinking about the former me, the one that was busy and overwhelmed and overworked and all those things that was in the role of PMO leader for 15 years inside organizations. And so I'm always going back to that person and what did she need, right? And I know that, you know, there were plenty of times, uh, for example, when I was in that role, I used to have a really long commute, as we were talking about earlier when we were chatting, I had a really long commute for part of that time where I was in the car for three hours a day, an hour and a half in and an hour and a half back. I listened to all the great books, the good to greats and all of those business books and learned, and this was back when I was an employee. I listened to all of those kinds of books way back before podcasts were a thing. So this is going way back. And now I listen to podcasts constantly. I drive my family crazy. I'm listening to a podcast in the shower. I'm listening to a podcast on a drive. I'm listening to podcasts while I'm cleaning, but it's a great way to sneak it in and it sparks all these great ideas. I like to remember to have a notepad close by because I'll get all these great ideas and get really inspired from listening to podcasts. You can listen to these summit episodes. You can, you know, if you have lifetime access, you can just download the audios and listen to that instead of watching them live. So there's a lot of ways that we can be creative and kind of let go of those excuses of mm -hmm. not being, you know, not being able to learn. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, and I think it's very simple. It's, it's your life. It's your development. No one else can do it for you. So grab it. You right. only get you only get one shot. So right. exactly, make the best of it. Make an impact. Right. Mm -hmm. um, wow. Well, thank you. I just love talking to you. Every time we talk, I'm just inspired, and you make me think differently about things. So thank you, Emma, for being a part of this podcast today. And everyone listening, don't forget to sign up for the PMO Impact Summit. Just go to pmoimpactsummit.com and make sure you are 
registered so that you'll get the notification when Emma's session comes out during the two-week window. And I know you're just going to love everything that she's going to dive into in that session. So don't miss your chance to catch Emma. And if they want to find you, follow you, engage with you, tell them all the places that they can find you, Emma. Uh, so LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, I am PMO Ninjas, also PMOninjas.com or wellington.co.uk. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Emma. This has been fantastic. You are one of my PMO heroes, and I'm so glad that you're a part of my community and that I can share you with my community. So have a great day and have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.